0: You have in your bulletins, uh, there's a, a page of scripture passages, we're going to read some of them, and the rest are for you to read on your own, and we're going to refer to, uh, to many of them in today's message. Um, the first one, we're going to be reading the first five together, which are about five sentences. And um, just want to point out that in the first one, so we're going to read from the first one down through and including the one from Matthew 25. Um, and these passages, they spell out what God envisions, what, how God wants us to live, and how God wants us to treat each other in community. And um, the first one, we will not be reading the part that is in brackets, we're going to read, uh, we're going to talk about that later, but it explains that this word mammon, that you know, we've, we've heard from, from time to time, you can't serve God in mammon. What that really um, means is anything that you hold, of that you value, that competes with God, with your allegiance to God. So we've, uh, it's been interpreted as money, which can be one thing, um, or it can be neutral, it can actually serve the will of God, um, but, but what mammon really means is anything that we possess that really competes, that doesn't agree with God's vision. Um, That's why you can't serve them both, because they go in different directions. So, let's join together um, in these first uh, five readings, all right, beginning with Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And then the second passage is the same theme. This one's from the Old Testament, Joshua. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers or the gods in the land you are living. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then we get into what looks like uh, in the third passage, this it, we might cons- be considered, this is God's platform, okay? Um, And this is from Micah, and it says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? And then Jesus spells it out in our fourth verse from Matthew 22. This is the greatest commandment. Am I in the wrong place here? Let's see. Oh, you don't have that? Let's see. What do you have? Okay, I'm just going to keep going. All right, love <laughs> this is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God, here we go, and love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> and then we're going to conclude with Matthew 25, more specifics. Um, Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So may God bless our understanding and living of these words of abundant life. So today we're going to be thinking about our priorities regarding, here we go, (laughs) religion and politics. (laughs) Some people are thinking, Paul, don't go there. Please don't go there. Don't go there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. So how many of your blood pressures went up? You know, when I mentioned the P word, just mentioning that word, politics. Why? It's a highly, isn't that a highly, it's a highly, highly charged word, right? Wow, it has so much power because politics deals with things that we deeply care about, doesn't it? Things that we're invested in, things that we hold dear. Politics deals with our priorities, and our values, and it's the system and the mechanics of how we actually go about manifesting and protecting and supporting things that matter the most to us, things that affect our lifestyle and our economics. And sometimes these things are mammon. It creates the structure of how we live with one another in community. That's what it does, functionally. So our politics reflects how we think the world around us should be. That's what we decide. What we think our relationships with others should be like. And in doing so, our politics makes statements through decisions, through laws that are decided, about who we think we are, what our rights are, and who we think others are and what their rights are. So it delineates who we are in relationship with each other and to what extent we are our brother and sister's keeper and how specifically that gets accomplished. How responsible should we be for ourselves and how responsible should we be for others? What duty do we have to our neighbor? And specifically, who is our neighbor? Literally who counts and how much do they count? Laws literally determine these things in terms of like census, voting, so forth. So politics represents our understanding of our neighbors and ourselves, to what extent we care for our neighbors. How do we understand ourselves in relationship with each other? Who are we? And then comes the question of whose are we? It gets into who's the master? Are we the masters of it all? Are we the highest God? Or is something else the master? And who is setting the vision for how things should be? Is it fluid? Does it come from someplace? Who sets the vision for all of these important values that we decide upon? And we might say, therefore, to whom do we owe our greatest allegiance in all of this? This is really old. People have been doing this and thinking about this for a really, really, really long time. Back in 426, St. Augustine wrote a book called The City of God. And in that book, his whole thesis was that our, our, our godly, our theological, our spiritual values and visions are supposed to inform the political structure that comes out of that. That's what he said. So this is very, very old. So politics as we see is actually really profoundly theological. Profoundly theological. inseparably theological. Like it also deals with what's the role of grace and justice? Leniency, tough on crime. How do we deal with those things? Who says? And stewardship, deals with stewardship. Do we have a duty to try to level the playing field, equal opportunity? Who says? Who says? And why? What's the source of authority? Should we have uh, equal educational opportunity? Who says? And why? And how does that work? How about healthcare? Who says and why? And how does that work? Who decides? How much are we called to share what we've got, political and theological? How much do we keep ourselves? How much is for a personal gain? How much is for greater good? The scriptures actually deal with us. To what degree are we independent, that my rights are supreme? And to what degree are we part of a greater whole? Are we interdependent? Questions that are completely theological and political. And they've always been. And that's the way it's always going to be. You can't separate them because politics and religion are both dealing with much of the same thing, the same issues. How do we live in community? The big, biggest difference, I think, is who do you think is in charge? Where and from whom is the vision coming? To whom do you owe your allegiance? Politics and religion. So I think politics is kind of cool um, in a lot of ways because it comes from the word polis, right? A lot of us know this and polis means it's, it's Greek and it means community or citizens. Community, polis, politic. So politics by definition is really about how do we live and act with one another in community, in the polis, right? The common unity, which is also how we get communion, our common union. What is our common union? So what does this have to do with church, faith, religion, God? And of course, the answer is everything. Because our religion says, from Genesis, everyone is created by God. It's one of the very first things in chapter 1. And we together, collectively, this is in the New Testament, everyone is the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ, it says, the whole of it. Everyone is included. Nobody's out of the body of Christ, whoever you are. We are holy. We are whole. That's where the word holy comes from. They come from the same root word. Because we're all created by God and because we're all the body of Christ, therefore we treat each other as if we are one because that's what we are. And according to our religion, each part is valued and therefore deserving of that level of honor, deserving of that level of honesty and dignity. And this understanding comes with a whole list of therefores. Therefore, according to Jesus, we're to love each other in what way, he says, as I have loved you. Beautiful. And that sets a certain level of behavior and respect that we have with one another. It sets a certain level of responsibility and duty. He says whatever, he says, goes on to say... um, Let me specifically talk about who you are in relation to the poor, the troubled, the outcast. He says, whatever you have done to the least of these, you did it to me, good or bad. Very specific, and of course, none of these, these things aren't a surprise to any one of you. I mean, you've heard all these, and you're familiar with all these, you know. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Who are we in relationship and community with each other? That's both politics and religion. Similar stuff. And then Jesus also deals with the issue of integrity in terms of the relationship between what we profess to believe versus how we actually behave, right? And he says some very, very unvarnished words here that are a little hard to say, but he says them. He says, anyone who claims to love God yet treats their brothers or sisters without love is a liar. Ouch. And more tough words, watch out. He says, and whoever is not with me is against me. That's pretty extreme. Whoever is not with me is against me. Now, that might sound harsh. It kind of sounds a little harsh to me. But here's a weird thought that is true. Do you know why Jesus died on a cross? What killed him? Was it religious, was it political, or was it both? It was both. It's because he lost an election. I'm not talking about a moral election, I'm talking about there was an actual, as we know, there was an actual election, political election. Now his values conflicted with the political and with the predominant religious values and laws of the time. But the thing that actually got him to the cross was this. We remember, we know what happened. Pontius Pilate, the religious governor, secular political leader, stood face to face, toe to toe with Jesus, literally. And they're looking at each other. And two things happened. First, Pilate asked face to face with Jesus. He said, what is truth? Point blank, he asked. He asked to be informed by Christ himself. But then what did he do? Instead of listening or considering, it says he turned away. Right away. Why? Because he couldn't afford to hear the truth. He couldn't afford to weigh the truth, to let go, take the chance that it might make him let go of what he was committed to. So he asked what is truth, but he cared more about preserving his agenda. And that's what Jesus means by you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve your agenda and God's agenda if they are opposed. So that was the first thing that happened with that little interaction. And the second thing was a political act that immediately followed. The crowd was restless. And so to avoid a mob scene, Pilate did a very rational thing in his mind. He did the practical thing. He gave the crowd a choice. He put Jesus' life and priorities up to vote. They could vote with their voices. That's what he asked them to do, and that's what they did. Who would they choose? What were their values at that moment? That was the moment. Do you vote for Barabbas? Or do you vote for Jesus? And as we know, they cast their votes by voice. And they said, give us Barabbas. That's who they wanted. It was a political vote presented by the governor. Jesus lost the vote. And we deal with those consequences. They chose, we all choose. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. That's what it's all about. It doesn't matter if you know the Ten Commandments. It doesn't matter if you say you believe the Ten Commandments. It matters if you choose the Ten Commandments. It doesn't matter if you know what Jesus' values are. It doesn't matter if you say you believe in Jesus. It matters if you live it. So what God says to us, choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. We all have the freedom and we all have the responsibility to process and to figure out what is supposed to lead what. May our choices and may all of the choices that we make in our life for the sake of our own integrity be that which God would have us ideally choose. Where does God fit? May God in Christ be our guide.